Much better. All right. Well, now I'm going to introduce one other to you. Many of you have um, had the privilege of meeting my father and my mother, uh, Lawrence and Donna Harrison. Daddy, come on up. Um, my father will be preaching today. We're in a series on the Beatitudes, and um, we're looking at Be the Meek today. And I've asked my father to come share. It's a privilege for me. I know you probably think that I invite him to come up so that you can hear him. I actually invite him to come up for a selfish reason so I get to hear him. I don't get to sit under his preaching anymore. And when I did sit under his preaching, I didn't sit very long. So that's a whole other story, though. We don't have time for any of that, any of that today. Uh, would you welcome my dad and my mother this morning, though, as he comes and shares the word and as they share their ministry with us? All right, thank you very much. It's always a blessing to be a, uh, a part of and to worship with Life Point Church. And uh, we just stand in awe of what God is doing uh, in and through you here in Ozark, Missouri. Uh, we are praying for you each day as you move into this transition part of the new building and getting settled and uh, set forth over there. Uh, just praying God give you wisdom, instruction from his throne on high. And thank you for the opportunity, the blessing being able just to share a portion of God's Word with you today. Would you take your Bible and find Matthew chapter 5, verse 5? This is uh, our passage for today, the one verse. And you follow as I read. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, already you, you understand that the message today is a part of an ongoing series uh, that you have based on the passage and portion of Scripture that we call the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are the first portion of a greater passage of Scripture known as the Sermon on the Mount, a sermon Jesus preached. Uh, and uh, uh, this part here is just kind of the introduction to that great sermon on the mount. We call them the Beatitudes. They began, each of them, with the word blessed. And uh, that's where we get the word Beatitudes. Someone has said that the Beatitudes are attitudes that ought to be in the life of God's people. They are characteristics of those who by the new birth are a part of the kingdom of God. And I don't want to repeat what others have already shared nor apply uh, into someone's sermon that will come at a later time, but I do feel like it would be beneficial this morning just to remind our hearts that the Beatitudes are sequential in order. By that I mean they relate to and they build upon one another. For instance, in verse 3, the first of the Beatitudes, Blessed are the poor in spirit. That instructs us to realize our sin and our need for God. Then in verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn. 
for they shall be comforted. That's the sorrow and the repentance for the sin that we recognize in beatitude number one. And we repent of it. And as we repent of our sins, God is faithful to reach out his hand with the grace of eternal salvation and provide it for all who will avail themselves of it. The remainder of the Beatitudes present those character traits that belong to the citizens of the kingdom of God. And you become a citizen of the kingdom of God through that new birth that God extends to you when you realize your sin and you repent of those sins and turn to him in faith. Now today we study verse 5, the third of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And I want to study the passage uh, under two points. Now, I, I come from a generation of preachers that back 30 and 40 and 50 years ago, uh, we were taught when you prepare a sermon, you are to have three points and a poem. And if you don't have three points and a poem, whatever it was you did, you didn't preach. But I want to just let you in on a little secret this morning. We won't tell anybody outside these doors if it's all right with you. I just want to have two points and no poem this morning. Will that be all right? Do I get a, a, a suggestion? Yes, I see some nodding of heads. And I know what they're thinking. They're thinking, oh, good. We'll beat the Methodists to the cafeteria today. And I know, I know about that quite well. Two points. We're going to study, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Under the first point, define. I want us to find a definition of meekness. And then our second point will be demonstrate. I want us to find in the Bible how we can demonstrate what we have defined uh, of meekness in the first point. So we're going to focus on this word meek. That seems to be the, the middle, the focus of the beatitude. Blessed are the meek. And so I want us to look at that. And first, our first point, define to arrive at a definition of meekness. As we find it in the Bible. Now I realize that the world uses words that we, we get from our scripture uh, in various and sundry ways, always thinking about meekness as we find it in the Word of God. Now I've learned through the years, in my own way anyway, that when I go to try to find what something means or what something is, uh, it's always helpful to me anyway, to think about what it is not. Maybe you're that, that same way. So what I want us to take just a few moments here and, and think about what meekness is not. 
And then we'll come around and see what meekness is. What meekness is not. Meekness, first of all, is not a natural quality or disposition. By that I mean you don't get it as a genetic trait. It doesn't come in your genes. You don't find it in the pattern of your uh, DNA. So it's not a natural quality. It's not uh, meekness. It's not indolence. That's habitually lazy. Someone who just lays around all the time. Some folks make the mistake of saying, well, they're just meek. But that's not what meekness means. Meekness is not niceness. Though those who are meek are usually nice folks. Meekness is not easy to get along with. Though usually those who are meek are easy to get along with. Meekness is not weakness. That's where a lot of people seem, they, they see meekness and weakness as one being equal and synonymous to the other. But meekness is not weakness, that kind of milk toast kind of person uh, that just is just weak. Meekness is not peace at any price. In other words, agree to get along at all costs. Someone that carries that nature within them. That's not what meekness is all about. Meekness is not being a wallflower. Timid, withdrawn, always standing in a corner somewhere, uh, off and apart from the crowd. Well, we could go on and on with several others. But these are just some of the things that meekness is not, that some people seem to have the idea that meekness really is. So we come then from what meekness is not to what meekness is. And let's arrive at a definition for this word meek when Jesus said, Blessed are the meek. I want to say this to you and suggest this at the beginning to you. Meekness is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Now we're told in the New Testament, all through the New Testament, that we are to bear fruit for the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to bear spiritual fruit. And we're instructed to do that uh, uh, all the way through this New Testament. And over in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, Paul the Apostle lays out for us uh, more adequately there for our understanding what the fruit of the Spirit is. And he says there in those verses, for the fruit of of the Spirit is, and he lists nine things. They start love, joy, peace, long-suffering. You're familiar with that passage of Scripture. But let me just remind you that that word fruit is a singular word. It's singular. It's just one. It's not the fruits of the Spirit, it is the fruit of the Spirit. And I feel like that our, uh, our 
Christian understanding needs to come to the place where we understand that the fruit of the Spirit is just one, and that's what we bear. But preacher, what about these nine other things? They are qualities of what people will see in our life as we bear the one fruit of the Spirit. One fruit, many qualities. And one of those, as you go along that list of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, right there in the middle of them is this word, meekness. And so as we are to exemplify love and exemplify joy, meekness comes to bear as well because it is fruit of the Spirit. Now, don't be like uh, a lot of folks that, that are run across from time to time. They, uh, they like to think of the fruit of the Spirit as a cafeteria. Now, I mentioned a cafeteria earlier. Uh, you know what a cafeteria is. Cafeteria, you go in and, uh, and there's this line of a counter or serving area where all this food is laid out there and you begin on one end and you say I believe I'll, I believe I'll pass I, I don't want any salad today I'm gonna I'm gonna pass up the salad but I sure do want that barbecued rib there and I want that I want those mashed potatoes right next to it and, and I, I think I'll leave the vegetables off I don't want the vegetables But I want that big old piece of chocolate pie down there on the end. What are you doing? You're picking and choosing. You're picking and refusing. And a lot of people look at this fruit of the Spirit and this listing of these nine qualities. And they say, oh boy, yes. I love love, I love joy, and I think peace is great. So I'm going to take love, joy, and peace. I'll take it. But I'm not so sure about that long-suffering, patient kind of thing. I, I, think, I think I'll leave that alone today and, and uh, uh, that faithfulness. And I'm not so sure about that goodness listed there, too. I, you know, I think I'll leave it. What are you doing? You're picking and choosing and picking and refusing, and you don't do that when you bear fruit for the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is one. You either bear fruit or you don't. And if you bear fruit, you'll have all nine of these qualities that people will see. Meekness is one of them. As you've borne fruit for the Lord, have you been meek? Well, let's pursue our definition of meekness. Not only is it fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says, but the Bible says that, that meekness is produced by the Holy Spirit. It is fruit of the Spirit. It is produced by the Holy Spirit. By that, we mean Again, it's not a natural thing. It doesn't just come because we're born into the world. It's not something that some are born with and some are not. It doesn't come to us 
through our genes. It is produced in us by the Holy Spirit of God. Now the word that's used here in verse 5 for meek and translated as meek is the Greek word praus. And praus is used throughout the New Testament there. Uh, and some places it's translated meek. In other places in, in it's translated humble or gentle or patient or submissive. Well, preacher, which one is it? And that's part of the problem we have in defining meekness. For you see, I see these humility and gentle, patient, submissive, all of these different translations of this one word prouse, these are qualities of meekness rather than a definition. They describe, well, what someone says, what is meekness? Well, you know, it's like being gentle. Someone else says, well, what is meekness? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of like uh, being patient, kind of like being submissive. These are descriptive qualities, not a definition. And I arrive at that uh, when I read in Dr. Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words. And Dr. W. E. Vine's is an undisputed uh, authority in the Greek language. He, he has this expository dictionary that, uh, that every preacher sees is on their shelf. And I studied through, and he goes through all of these different translations that you find in the New Testament for this word prouse. And here's how he ends that section. He just simply says, it is difficult to define prouse in the English. And he cuts it off at that. Well, you know, I thought, boy, if he, if he has trouble trying to define uh, meekness, what will old Lawrence do? <laughs> but I arrived at my own definition. So can I, can I use that with you this morning? This is the definition of meekness according to Lawrence. And I give it to you. Meekness is yielded to the control of the master. Yielded to the control of the master. Now I arrive at that definition kind of by reaching out here into the world of mankind and drawing out of secular terminology that which I used to arrive at my definition of a sacred term. Now, I'm certainly not a farmer. I'm not a rancher. I spent five years in the Delta country of southeast Arkansas, so I gained a little bit there. Everybody in my church was either a farmer or a rancher. And I quickly picked up on a lot of their terminology. And I, I used that, the idea of horsemanship, to define 
meekness. Now, picture for me, if you would, please. Out there on the range, in the open prairie, in the fields, runs that wild stallion. He's a wild horse. He has no restraints put on him. He runs where he wants to go, how he wants to go, and when he wants to go. He is totally his own individual. And then one day, the rancher brings that horse into the corral. And that rancher teaches and trains that wild stallion. Some use the term broken. And now no longer does he roam the range. He now stands in the corral. And he is quiet, steady, gentle, still. He stands there waiting for the command of his owner. He's there. He is yielded to the commands of the master. And those ranch fellows that deal with horses say of that stallion he has been what? Meat. That's the common term today of this word prouse, meek. He is yielded to the control of his master. Is he weak? Is he timid? Is he lazy? Because he's been meeked? No, no, no. His muscles, his sinews, his mind are just as strong as ever. But that horse stands there simply waiting for a command. He's waiting for that master to saddle up and take those reins in his hands and say, let's go. And that horse takes all of that strength and all of that wisdom and knowledge and he puts it into action at the will of the master. I submit to you this morning, that is the definition of me. Being yielded to the commands and the desires and the wishes of the master. Now listen to me. If you're saved today, that's where we are. When you have realized your sinful condition and repented of that sin and received the grace of God in salvation, now we are to stand in the yieldedness ready for the commands of our Master, the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I have been meet to act in obedience to whatever He calls 
on us to do. The definition of meat is not just simply being gentle, being obedient, being kind. I know, I know people who have a gentle disposition, but they don't even believe in God. I, I, I know people who have uh, that uh, uh, in, instance in them, that, that trait of being helpful, but they don't even believe in God. You can have the qualities without the meekness. But if you have the meekness, you're going to have the qualities. Meekness, friends, is being yielded to that master that is ours, the Lord Jesus Christ. May I move on to demonstrate our second point of the morning. Now, what do you do when you demonstrate? Demonstrate is when you need to look at something and see it at work. You go to buy a new car. You go to the lot, to the dealer, and uh, you look over the cars and you pick one out and you look at that a little more carefully. You read the tag on the window. Uh, you lift the hood and maybe look in the, uh, the trunk and you open the doors and you slide around on the seats. What are you doing? You're seeing the demonstration of that car. And then you say, oh, I want to drive it. And the dealer gives you the keys and you slide behind the wheel and you take off. You are letting the car is demonstrating itself to you. You are looking it over to see if that is what you really want. Well, in our demonstration of meekness this morning, I want us to see meekness at work. Now, the Bible tells us specifically of two individuals who were meek. The first is that of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says he is meek and lowly of heart. But it's the second individual of which the Bible speaks with meekness that I want us to use to demonstrate meekness today. That's the man Moses. In Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3, the Bible says Moses was meek more than all men. And that word translated meek there in Numbers is the Hebrew equivalent to the Greek word in verse 5, blessed are the meek. So they mean the same thing. It's an implication of Moses' life. Now, if we're going to use Moses as a demonstration, we're going to have to look at Moses' life. Well, uh, some of you possibly are thinking, but wait a minute. In the Bible, we find Moses in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's four books, four of the biggest books in the Bible. Are we going to be here through lunch? And I promise you, no. I got to eat too, you know. Uh, what God is so gracious to us that he's given us a summary 
of the life of Moses. We find it in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. I've turned to it. You're welcome to turn to it if you would. If not, we'll just listen carefully. We're going to be relating these verses, chapter 11 of Hebrews, verses 24 and following, which tell us a composite of the life of Moses and see how he demonstrates meekness for us. I want us to see in verses 24 and 25, first of all, that meekness means there is a choice to be made. Verse 24 and 25 says, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Meekness means there's a choice to be made. Moses made a deliberate choice here. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That word refused means to give careful consideration to. Most of us are familiar with the early life of Moses. You know that he was born and was placed in the little basket and was rescued from the river Nile by the daughter of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt himself. As a result, he was taken into the household of Moses and there was reared. That's why it says here, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He gave careful consideration. His growing up years may have been one of Moses thinking, well, you know, I'm going to be second in command here one of these days. I'm in Pharaoh's household. He enjoyed all of the trappings of the royalty of that day. But the day came when Moses discovered, this is not my people. I am not Egyptian. I am Hebrew. Those are my people out there in the slave pits. And he had to choose. He made a deliberate choice. Do I stay and enjoy everything Egypt's got for me? Or do I choose to go? with the people of God whom I know to be right. It was a deliberate choice. There's a choice to be made in meekness today. It was a bold choice. In verse 27 of that passage, by faith Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, Pharaoh had the authority and the power to lift Moses up from the ground and chop his head off if he wanted to. And Moses knew that. It was a bold choice. He chose that day to forsake Egypt and go with the people of God because he saw him who was invisible. He knew then that he was part of a movement of God that God had called him 
tomb. It's a deliberate choice. Meekness is a bold choice. I'm reminded at this point of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Friends, that's being yielded to the instructions and the commands of the Master. There's a choice to be made. Now, before we move on, let me just remind you that you're free to choose. God doesn't impress upon you a, a making of one of the choices. You're free to choose whichever one you would like. Moses was free to choose either Egypt or to choose the Hebrews. But here's, here's what you need to also understand. While you're free to choose, you are not free not to choose. In other words, you got to choose. You got to make a choice. It came down to Moses. Had to choose one or the other. He couldn't walk the fence of the middle line. He had to choose yes or no. So meekness, there is a choice to be made. In meekness, there is a change of direction. You previously went where you wanted to go. When meekness comes along, there is a change of direction. In verse 27 of Hebrews 11, it says of Moses that he forsook Egypt, enduring uh, him who was invisible. In other words, he went a different direction. He goes now where the master wants him to go. And that direction is determined by your choice. Are you going to be meek today? You're going to have to make a choice. And that choice that you make is going to change the direction of your life. You know, we, uh, we study the life of Moses and it's, it's a worthy life to study. God will bless you every time you do. Moses lived for 120 years. You can take that life of Moses, 120 years, you can divide them into three distinct 40-year periods. That first 40 years was spent down there in Egypt in the court of Pharaoh where Moses learned that he was somebody he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That gave him status and power and prestige. But after 40 years, God took Moses and set him in the backside of the Midian desert. Just he and the sheep and the desert. And it was there Moses learned that he really was a nobody. He thought he was somebody, but he was really a nobody. And 40 years later, 
God brought that nobody back into Egypt and made that nobody into the leader that he needed to lead his people away from slavery. And in that place, Moses learned that God can take a nobody and make a somebody out of him. And that's what God wants to do to those who will yield themselves in meekness to his commands in his life. One other thing, there's a choice to be made, there's a change of direction, there is a change of character as well. Moses was not the same after verse 27. He changed the whole character of his life and his emphasis. He forsook Egypt. Verse 28, by faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. In verse 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea. Here he is doing things that he had never dreamed of in his whole life because his character had been changed. And that's the way it is when we allow the Master to bring us into meekness. There is a change in our character. And like Moses, we are counting ourselves among God's people. That's the demonstration of meekness in our life. What we do, how it's demonstrated as other people see us with these qualities of meekness. We're called to demonstrate it. Will you make that choice today? Now before we go, we need to finish the verse. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, you know, it seems to me as I look out, it seems to me that the mighty and the powerful and the smart are those who inherit the earth. The one with the largest army, the one with the most powerful weapon, the one with the most shrewd techniques in our day and time are the ones who get their peace of this earth. And yet the Bible says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. To many, and I count myself among them, this seems to be the most puzzling part of this particular beatitude. But I want us to look at that word inherit. It doesn't say they shall make or grab or steal or buy the earth. It says they shall inherit. Inherit the earth. The word inherit, as I understand it anyway, means to be given. An inheritance is something that our ancestors give to us. We don't buy it. We don't steal it. We don't grab it. And in the same way, beloved, the Master Jesus Christ will give the earth to those who are yielded to him. Now there's a lot about this that I don't know. Will it be in our lifetime? I don't know. 
What kind of shape will the world be in? I don't know. Any of y'all? If you do, please straighten this preacher out. Because I surely don't. But you see, I don't preach the things I don't know. I preach what I understand of God's Word. And let me tell you some things I do know. I do know that Jesus promised to give it to us. They will inherit the earth. They will be given the earth. And I've yet to see any kind of promise that Jesus made that He did not fulfill totally and completely. So I know that we're going to get it. There's something else I know here. I know Jesus gives only perfect gifts. And I don't think he's going to take an old war-torn world and say, yeah, you know, I promised to give you this and be meek. And you were meek. You were yielded to my commands. And so here, take this, what's left of this old world. So I've arrived at my own understanding in this, and I'll share it with you. He promised a new heaven and a new earth. He promised that we would reign with Him. And the reward and the value of my placing myself yielded under the command of my Master... I believe will reward me in that day out in the end of time when this old world has seen all it can see. Jesus is going to take this old world and recreate it. He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And then he is going to reign for a thousand years on that earth. And we're going to reign with him. I believe it's a specific reference to the great millennium. I don't really know again all that that means, but I do know this. I want to be a part of it. How about you? I'll be found among the meat. How about you? Blessed are the meek, those yielded to the commands of the Lord, for they will inherit, be given, the earth. Would you bow with me in prayer, please? Father, thank you for giving me the privilege of speaking and sharing the Word of God to this host of folks today. They've come hungry for a word from the bread of life. I pray I've been faithful to that. But my concern is that all of us here would sense and know the impact of that beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And we will understand that that meekness means that we are to be under your command waiting for your instructions and our reward will follow accordingly Lord bless each heart here today speak to them in the closing moments of this service 
It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.